Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you ready? Hey, guys. Come on. Bring it in. Clap your hands now. Hi, I'm Greg Reporter. Welcome to The Hang. Watch what happens when the people catch wind of the water. Ah, here we are, right where it all started, Los Angeles. Liquid spirit. We recorded the very first episode of The Hang with the mighty Jeff Goldblum just down the road in Hollywood. We went to London, we went to Cheltenham, or Cheltingham. We went to Mallorca to visit the lovely Annie Lennox. And now, ten episodes later, we're back in L.A. on Sunset Strip. To be precise, with the final guest of the season. So, who is the guest that has the honor of closing out the debut series of The Hang? She is just about the hottest singer in the UK right now. She's created her own unique blend of soul, R&B, and jazz, and whatever else you might think of. Songs like Lately, Like Me, will definitely make you swoon. Please welcome Celeste. Come on. Bring it in. Hello. Thank you, Celeste, for joining us today and to talk about music and love and life and inspiration. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. Food, cars, (laughs) 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 or whatever. But uh, tell me... um, Tell me about music and your family, your mother and father or grand, grands. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned grand, grands. I think like the first music that I ever heard was played to me by my granddad and I was about three years old Uh and I remember it so clearly and I, I think I tell quite a lot of people this story, but. I remember he had this like cherry red Jaguar. It was like some nineties Jaguar. And he was so proud that he like bought it for himself (laughs) kind of thing. And it had like a CD changer in the back. (laughs) So like in the boot or in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. In the boot. Yeah. (laughs) You could put six CDs inside, Mm -hmm. but you had to put them in before you went and drove the car off. So he would get his six CDs from the kitchen cupboard and it would be like Ella Fitzgerald, Aretha Franklin, Nina Simone, Otis Redding, like Sarah Vaughan, all that sort of thing. And I don't even, I don't even know if he had enough CDs to fit in six changes yeah but then we would get in but he would always choose the aretha franklin cd like whatever happened yeah and one of the songs i remember so clearly is spanish harlem yeah and even now when i hear that it's so nostalgic for me like i just remember being like this young kid i think i was three or four years old yeah and i just remember looking at my granddad like with so much admiration like thanks (laughs) for showing me this no tell me yeah (laughs) tell me what what is this uh this, was he a British gentleman? Is he a grey-haired at the time? <laughs> <Is> he? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's British. I think um, 
he's kind of like of a certain era where like men wore suits all the time. Yeah. And he still does. Tweed. Yeah, or like, yeah, I guess like then, but now like, it's changed. I guess it's like linen and cottons and things like that. Like, I performed on something a, like a week ago, like a TV show, and he called me like, what shall I wear? Shall I wear my new suit? I was like, I don't know like, if people really wear suits to this kind of thing. But he didn't in the end, but yeah. um, oft- he often does. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's cool. So, it was your grandfather. And what about uh, your parents? Or the influence of their music? Was there? Yeah, well, it's funny you mention it because there was only like a couple of things I remembered my mum playing me when I was a kid. But I, I think the music that she played was way more like, it way more informed like an attitude rather than like a sound or a voice. And uh-huh. everything she listened to was way more like rowdy mm-hmm. and like erratic. And I remember... We would listen to like the, like like rock or well we would listen to the Clash or okay. we would listen listen to the specials and every or even if we listened to like Robin S like you know that song Show Me Love she loved that song yeah, yeah. like 90s dance vocalists yeah yeah they always had like a certain energy and attitude that was far less like relaxed to like the jazz and soul I guess that my granddad would like play me yeah but um I really loved that and I think like we used to dance on the table to it and stuff right. in the kitchen <laughs> uh, so I take yeah. it uh, your your mother had you she was quite she was in her 20s or yeah something? she was 26 when she had me okay so was, yeah you had a young mother who was still getting her groove on yeah <laughs> when the time you learned how to dance yeah that's it actually <laughs> My mum had gone travelling when she was 21 Mm -hmm. and she'd lived in sort of like a suburban part of England and it's just outside of London. And she just decided, which was like kind of different to her friends at the time, that she just wanted to like go and travel and like see different places. And she ended up here actually in LA, which is where she met my dad and she had me here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think she had so many different influences in terms of like her taste and her style and what she liked to listen to I think at one point she lived in Hong Kong when she was about 23 and she said one night she went to this tiny tiny bar and she just saw this woman with this like amazing hair she says wicked hair (laughs) and it was Diana Ross like singing in this bar and I don't I still don't really understand like why she was singing in this <laughs> supposedly really small like private place and yeah. then I don't really know how my mom ended up in there um but that's one of the people that like my mom loves and like yeah. we both kind of idolize her and her style and, yeah. yeah you kind of got Diana Ross hair today <laughs> yeah. yeah oh thanks there's some a couple of shots of uh, pictures that I've seen you in yeah very stylish you are oh thank you yeah but I love the fact that you were absorbing, you know, this these classic sounds, quite frankly, classic black American sounds yeah. and, uh, you know, European British pop or rock or, you know, I love the fact that these 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 this clash in music that can happen that can create something in the head uh, can create a, a mix in the head. Yeah, it's that like, can come out, yeah. and it's something totally new, something that that references something that happens in the happened in the past, but it's totally new and totally you. Hmm. We're kind of writing a song. Right I like there. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's awesome. Um, for me, my mother and my father, and the relationship that I had with them, 
their presence and with my father, his absence has mm-hmm. created a wave of powerful energy yeah. for me. Yeah. That has been a, a catalyst for my writing and my thinking and even the way that I that I that I think about and treat my son. He's a six he's uh, he's six years old. And I'm constantly finding myself writing songs for him or leaving him a message that I think he might hear when he's twenty. And um it's and I'm also writing messages to my father, who's deceased. And yeah. has been so for 20 years. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying something to him uh, as a song on on my record called How to Sing. Yeah. On the new record that's yeah, yeah. on its way. And I'm talking to him in, a, in an interesting way. I realized when I, I looked at the lyrics and at the end, I just kept saying, Heavenly Father. Yeah. Now, normally we think of the Heavenly Father as... Yeah, like a... a right. Yeah. Jesus, God. But I'm thinking of my Father, my actual yeah, Father. When I say, Heavenly. Heavenly Father. Now, that's just the way I sang it in church. Yeah. But what I mean is my actual Father. I feel like I can have more of a relationship with Him now mm-hmm. than I did when He was alive. I We... I, I was together with him maybe six or seven times. But I think his absence has created something and a powerful thing, a, a thing that I harvest uh, and I use in my music. I don't know if it's something that you've done already. Is it something that you think you will do in the future? Is it is is his presence or his uh, your your knowledge of him, how, however great or small it is is it something that you think will will fuel your yeah I think like it's cool to hear what you had to say actually because I had a similar experience where I lived here with my mum and my dad until I was about three years old and Mm. then they separated and me and my mum moved back to England and I only really spent like as like 10 times with him or something in my in my whole life or less yeah and um like enough that I can so little that I can count it basically yeah same same um but each time was really important and really significant and I remember it so clearly um and I and my dad did actually pass away when I was about 16 years old and actually it was that moment when I really started like writing down everything that I felt because I didn't really know like how to contain it and at that point I hadn't really experimented at all with like writing songs and making music I kind of knew I could sing from like different bits when I was a child and I would sing and adults would maybe say like you have a good voice and sometimes it happens now like I'll sing in a taxi or something and like singing to myself <laughs> and the taxi driver will be like you can carry on you've got a good voice and I'm like oh thank you <laughs> um, but yeah so I just started writing actually a diary to begin with and then that gradually turned into like writing poems. And at first, like they were so intense and they were like so sort of like a certain pain, I guess. And then I remember the exact evening that one of the poems turned into a song that had like the words all of a sudden like had rhythm and they had melody. Yeah. And the next day I was going to the studio for the first time ever to yeah. like a writing session. Yeah. And I took that idea and I didn't really know how these things worked at that stage. 
at all. And I, I was just like, well, I wrote this poem last night and I kind of sing it like this. If you can call this singing at this point, like, I don't know. And they were like, no, this is really good. So, um, yeah, it just turned into a song. So yeah. I, I think out of like hardship, sometimes people like find a way to cope that is kind of sometimes a distraction, but it's, yeah, I guess it's an inspiration at points. And I, I guess a lot of people find that sometimes they're more inspired by like the harder yeah. parts of their life. The things that move you. Yeah. Things that's that it. have moved that's, you or yeah, even pushed you. That's it. That's exactly what it is. It's like a move. It's like a push. Yeah. And there are other things that do that, but that was definitely like the main catalyst for me to like want to create. Yeah. Interesting you said this about your first writing being about the things, the powerful emotions that you had going into your diary. The exact same thing happened to me. My father passed when I was 20 and I, I, yeah. I had a pain in my chest and I went to a doctor because I thought it was like, you know, something like a real, really yeah, yeah, something serious. And they said, nope, nothing's wrong with you. And the doctor suggested that I go to a therapist. <laughs> and I don't know if he thought it was like, um, you know, that I was just like faking it or I, knew, I don't know what he thought. Right. I didn't yeah. mention anything yeah, about, yeah, yeah. about, you know, any bad relationship or anything. So I went, I went to see this, this uh, therapist at uh, my college. And she's, you know, she said, you know, she asked me about my mother, about my relationships, about my brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. Everything was great. And then she said, tell me about your father. And I just lost it. It just the tears Did started to flow yeah. and I cried and my chest pain slightly lifted. Yeah. And so it wasn't this this pain I was having was kind of this broken heart thing. Yeah, it's a mental yeah, release. Totally yeah, mental. Yeah. And at which point I started to write. Hmm. And my first songs, I used to write songs, you know, silly things or or write about love or something I, I would write it down on a piece of paper and i'd throw it away because i had you didn't know what I, it meant nor yeah. did i consider myself <laughs> a songwriter yeah yeah but at the point at which i started thinking about my father and that pain the music came out of me as song and i think the first thing i First thing I wrote was, um, I was thinking about, was my father there when I was born? Hmm. And I was thinking of myself as a little boy and thinking of myself as a man. Yeah. So I was talking to myself as a little boy in the song. Yeah, yeah. Hey, little boy, I know your name. I know your question, I have the same. Was he working? Was he sleeping? Was he standing in the doorway when they said, here's your brand new baby boy? You know, this, this is, this is, so what this is, was melodic therapy for me. Yeah. And not only was it that for me, I, I, when I started to perform the song years later, I realized that the personal is universal. And 
you, you, I was listening to your songs and you had, uh, what was the lyric? Isn't it funny? Isn't it strange? Oh, okay. Yeah. Boy, that's, that last lyric is cold blooded. It's so strong. <laughs> Thank you. Isn't it funny how, you know, strangers, friends, and lovers, back to strangers. Yeah. 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 That's a cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Thank yeah. you very much. That's your writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote that song with two other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a funny day because I think a few days before we finished the song, I'd been in the studio with just one of them. Yeah. And he'd played the chords um, that eventually ended up in the final song. And when I go to the studio, I like to have a microphone, kind of like how we're sitting now. Like yeah. I like to have a microphone in front of me yeah. or even just on my lap, kind of relaxed. And so when I hear something, I'm ready to just pick right. it up and sing right. the idea as it comes to me kind right, of thing. Right. And usually I have my voice coming through the speakers. I, I don't know why that is, but um, I think it's something to do with also when I play live. Yeah. I, I really like feeling the room and like hearing the room. Yeah, the intimacy and the ambience. of the sound. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I like that in the studio. However small the room is, I'm like... Turn it up, turn right. it up. Um, and yeah, I heard the chords and I mumbled the the first lyrics of the songs like, I tried for you. Yeah. And, and then it says, like, tried to see through all the smoke and then it kind of tails off into this mumble because I didn't know what I was going to say yet, but I just knew how it made me feel. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, like, I left that idea in the final version of the song because I think, like, the emotion said enough Mm. Whereas if I tried to like shoehorn a lyric in there, it maybe wouldn't have actually translated as well as just like feeling something. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And it was a one time I think I kind of just allowed myself to ignore the rule of like, you have to finish the lyric kind of <laughs> right, thing. Right. Um, but yeah. And then a few <laughs> days later we went in to finish this song and um, I still didn't really know what it was going to be about. And we spoke about it and we all spoke about like how it made us feel. And one of um, my friends now um, who was in the room at the time was just like, this kind of just makes me think of when you bump into like your ex and he was like, it can be in a coffee shop. And like, you just look at them and you can't say anything and you can't speak. And all of a sudden, like everything you knew about them just like completely goes out of your head and you don't know how to approach them or be around them. Yeah. Um, and then there came like the idea for the song really. And it was something so simple, yeah. but I guess something that I hadn't really thought about in that exact way before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was pleased. Very powerful, very profound. And it's something I think about all the time. How do people that could be, you know, just milk and coffee, I mean, together, just, just doing everything, finishing each other's yeah. sentences loving one another, even to the point of intimacy where, you know, creating another being. How is it that they can, yes, you can fall out of love, but then not even fall out of love, become enemies, you know, not even strangers, but then enemies. Yeah. It, 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 it is a, it is a, uh, as a child and even today is still a difficult thing for me because I'm all, I'm a solution. I'm always trying to find solutions and I'm always trying to find um, 
peace. And I, I always love to leave my enemies as friends in a way. Yeah. I mean, I played football. And I used to knock people's heads off. I was, <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> but after I knocked them down, I, I would like to extend my hand to yeah. help pick them up. Now, uh, this, this idea, this, this, this personal, this, you know, e- 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 whether it's something that's even hap- inspired by something that happened in your life or not, yeah. the idea of creating that, that, that poetry, um, and it being useful for many, many people is, isn't it an awesome thing? Yeah. Don't you feel lucky? Yeah, definitely. I to, think. To, 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 first of all, to have the gift to do that and then to have the facility to sing it and to say it and to, to have also a career in which you, which people will hear it. Yeah. I think it's one of those things when, well, for me, I'm still quite new to like releasing my music and people actually hearing what I've been doing in my own private space. And I think, <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't worry about that. But when, <laughs> but when you're writing, you know how it makes you feel. And I guess the people that are in the room with you, yeah. but it's really hard to like even think about or consider at the time how it will make other people feel until you see it happening in front of you or, you start to hear people respond to it. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Like recently I've had messages from people that have said like they've gone through a breakup and it's really, the lyrics have really helped them to understand and rationalize what they're going through, which is kind of just still really crazy to me. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, have you at all thought about or explored or, or has it ever come up in your mind about, uh, your racial identity coming out in your voice. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of funny because, um, except for me, no one really sings. In, no one sings in my family. No one is can sing. I think my grandma, her dad could, and in like the forties, he used to sing on the radio. And mm-hmm. there was this was on British radio, and mm. there was a competition called Opportunity Knocks. <laughs> And it was kind of like wow. a talent competition. Wow. And you only heard the, their voice and three people would sing on like a Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. But you could you could repeat, you could do it more than once. And he did it and he won quite a few times. Um, mm. So I guess it's kind of funny because that that's kind of like off on a tangent away from whether I felt like my racial identity has expressed itself without nurture yeah kind of thing but um it's it's just like one it's weird to me that i'm the only one that can (laughs) sing (laughs) do you think think about do you think about maybe your 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 dad's uh musical influence i mean if there is some this is an interesting thing my father didn't remember i was talking about this Mm. song that i you know the song the song is you didn't teach me a dadgone thing, but how to sing. Yeah, yeah. It happened in an interview. Yeah. That's how I, ca- I came to this. I, I was in an interview in the UK and the, and the interviewers asked me, where did you get your singing voice? For some reason, the entirety of my career or maybe even my life, I hadn't thought of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew my mother sang. She had a beautiful operatic voice, high mm. voice. But at my father's funeral, they said, boy, your father could sing. Really? Your father could sing. 
Wow. And I was like, okay. That's cool. Maybe that's where this thing yeah, yeah, yeah. came from. And so I said that in the interview. And then afterwards, I, I was considering it. I was like, wow, he, 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 he did give me something. He did give me something. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, did you ever know if, if your father sang or? I know he couldn't sing because I heard him trying and it wasn't good. He used to sing, you know, that song Strawberry Fields. Yeah. He used to sing that song down the telephone to me. And the he, Beatles song. Yeah. Strawberry. Yeah. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And every time I'd be like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Stop um, that. Yeah. Please. Daddy. <laughs> Stop that. Um, but it was charming. But actually, this is kind of an interesting story. And I told this to one of my friends last year. And it was basically like the story of how my mom and my dad met. And her friend was seeing his friend who lived on this boat mm. somewhere out here. And my mom's friend had disappeared for a couple of days. And she was like, okay. I need to find her. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> so she, so, so, but I guess they were just wild. They were young. They were doing their mm -hmm. thing. So she got the telephone number for this boat that this guy lived on that her friend was seeing. Okay. And then this man answers and it's not the guy. It's this other man. And like my mom answers. She's like, hello, is Ali there? Like, I'm looking for my friend. What's going on? And this guy's like, don't worry, she's here. She's here with whoever, whatever his name is. And then this guy starts flirting with my mum down the telephone. And she's like, he actually sounds quite nice. <laughs> whatever. And then that ends up being my dad. So he introduced himself. He's like, yo, my name's Beau Claire. I'm sure he didn't say yo, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kept bumping into each other. And my mum just like, really became in awe of him and like really fell in love with him. Uh -huh. And it was he American, British? Or? Well, he was actually born in Jamaica uh -huh. and he was raised there until he was 10 years old uh -huh. and his mom was here. So he was raised by his grandparents in Jamaica Okay, and his mom was sent over here to like go to university and sort of like get herself established. To California. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then by the time she was 30, they felt like she was in a position where she was like ready to like look after him by herself. So they sent him over here and he ended up living with her here. But, and then in his twenties, he went to London to go to university. So it was kind of like, he had this really mixed childhood and his accent kind of reflected that like his whole family would always kind of like joke and about his accent because it wasn't Jamaican it <laughs> wasn't really American it was kind of like a pretend English accent or something <laughs> um, but yeah I, to I told my friend the story about them having their first like encounter over the telephone and he said well you know like maybe you inherited people falling in love with your voice from your dad just in a different way right yeah so yeah. that was wow, kind of cool beautiful. yeah and I care a lot about people's voices. Like speaking voices are so important to me. Like that doesn't have to be posh, but yeah. it's like a real, you know, like if somebody has a really nice speaking voice, yeah. it can change like everything about them. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. true. This yeah. is true. This is quite a, quite a British thing. This, uh, I, I think I first heard that when I was, uh, I was in college and I, and I met a, I met my first British friend mm -hmm. uh, Philippa and she talked about 
um, going to school and developing this posh accent. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, what does posh mean? What is posh? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> and how how is a posh accent a good or a bad thing? And uh, so, yeah, so it was really just interesting. She she showed me the way that she used to speak as a little girl. Yeah. And then she showed me the way she spoke <laughs> after she went to this prestigious high school. Okay. I thought it was Thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. But I liked them both. So I was like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, you're listening to The Hang. Hit subscribe or follow on your podcast thingamajig of choice to get every episode of The Hang fresh off the presses. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're in Los Angeles for a reason. What is that reason? Um, well, I'm here to write some new music. <laughs> yeah. And, and is your producer here? Is the musician you want to work with here? Or is, is this is the place to be? Well, I think here in Los Angeles and in America in general, there's a huge pool of artists and producers and like instrumentalists that work within that soul and jazz realm yeah um but they also have had the chance to like get recognition for it in a way that's equal to like the mainstream yeah um and i think there are pockets of that in the uk but it's maybe not as prevalent as it is here yeah. but maybe that's just because it's bigger here um and well actually i think it's also because the origin is kind of here too you know yeah. like from blues music yeah um, yeah. And it's way more ingrained in the people. Yeah. Um, for example, you can meet people of all different ages here that have like an equal understanding and knowledge of like music from the 40s, mm-hmm. music in the 70s, and then like hip hop in the early 90s, and then something that happened two weeks ago or yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, and you don't really have to explain to somebody why those things make sense and why there is like a thread in between all of those things. I think there's people that just understand that because they've lived it and their parents have and their grandparents have. And then it naturally comes out in the way that they either play their instrument or the way that they make a beat yeah. or even just the way they speak to you and address you in a session. And that yeah. can be inspiring to you. Yeah. 
like I remember working with someone before and um, he was talking about Erica Badu writing Tyrone and he was like come with that attitude like did you hear that did you hear what she said he's like you can't use my phone and like he's like I'm getting tired of your shit like all of this stuff right and right. it kind of just reminds you and I think it's important to have people like he he's about 40 or 50 years old I think yeah and it was it was good to hear that from an older person you know what I mean rather than like my friends listen to that stuff yeah and it was good to hear somebody that had that like knowledge and wisdom but also had like a young ear yeah. kind of thing <laughs> yeah 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 so do you do you think of when you when you write songs do you think of it connecting to a body of work do you think of it having a a a uh, a continuous message as uh, or a theme or yeah is, is that your your process yeah yeah I always do I think because I'm so interested in, in the actual sounds and like the instrumental side of things to me there's like no other way I can imagine it other than hearing it as one big picture kind mm. of thing um and Obviously, there's songs that are more suitable to like people listening in solitude by themselves. And then there's songs that you can imagine like loads of people listening to together or like at a party or then at five in the morning with three of their friends or something. So when I write one of those songs, it's hard for me to imagine it by itself kind of thing. Like I always see it, how it, how it will come together with other stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, I think like on an EP I made earlier this year, it's called Lately EP. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two songs I wrote for that were actually like within a couple of days of each other. Like I went to Leeds, which is like in the north of England. I love Leeds. Oh, yeah. you do? I've been yeah. all over yeah, the yeah, UK for a long there. time. I love yeah. it. It's my favourite place. Yeah, you know, it's so. really cool, actually. Yeah. And I think as well, I've been to a few shows in, I, I haven't played a show in Leeds yet, but I've been to a few shows there and like something I love about watching and listening to music there is the crowd are like very focused, but they only care about the music. They only care if you're good. Yeah. They don't care like who you know. They don't <laughs> care what you look like. Like, you can, like It doesn't matter. And you yeah. see like a really genuine reaction to something. Um, and that's, I, I really enjoy like listening to music in that environment without mm-hmm. the kind of, all of these other things going on, all these other factors that kind of like inform you to feel a certain way about something. You can kind of just close your eyes and listen to it. Yeah, and that's music. Yeah, yeah. And that's music. That's yeah. the other thing that's that's more than just music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah. I love I love Leeds. It's a Yorkshire. I, yeah, it kind of is. Yorkshire yeah. pudding is not pudding. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not sweet. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this Yorkshire what, pudding. Have you pudding. had a Yorkshire pudding? I have. Do you like them? I'm confused about pudding. Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, pudding in America is a particular thing. It's like a, there's a vanilla pudding or chocolate pudding. It's is it a, like a cake with some It's like some a custard sauce. kind of okay. a custardy kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but pudding in the UK. <laughs> it's just it's basically anything sweet really <laughs> yeah you've got bread pudding which is mad like I still don't know why people eat that to be honest 
but older people love it. It's literally like bits of bread, like slices oh, right. of bread. So, like some bread that nobody wants. Plain bread. <laughs> right. And then it's just got like butter and like cinnamon. All, it's and, ma- yeah. Right. I've had that. <laughs> Sticky toffee pudding. That's good. Fabulous. That's the Wonderful. best. It's the yeah. best. Yeah. Um, Can I ask you a question? You could, you, yes, this is a conversation. Okay. <laughs> well, earlier when we were talking about our idols and like people that we looked up to, and obviously you mentioned that Nat King Cole had like passed before you were even born. Yeah. But has there been a moment where anybody has kind of like recognized your achievements and it's kind of like made you sit back and be like, wow, I'm really proud of what I've done here? Yeah. Yes. I mean, some really special, like, people. And then, I don't want to say not special, but some really people that you would never know. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they contact me, and I'm still moved. I'm Listen, girl, let me tell you, I'm just blown away that I have this life and this career and that I can, that I get to that I get to sing, I get to do something that I love. So when um, when Michelle Obama came to my show in, in D.C., um, I said to myself, the president of the United States is going to ask her where, where she's been. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, she's going to say to the president, oh, I went to go see this singer, Gregory Porter. You know, yeah. the guy I've been listening to for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Because she told me, she said, yeah, we listened to you in the White House. And I, that that blew me away. Yeah, of course. And, the, you know, I don't mean to just, you know. And so when I performed for the, for your queen and um, I said, I wonder will she talk about this, you know, afterwards and say, oh, that Definitely. young man. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That's fascinating to me. But also you know, catching the ear of like, you know, musical icons, wh- whether it be, you know, Quincy Jones or mm-hmm. or, or uh, somebody that you've, you know, admired for years, maybe Sting or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I it, heard that, you singing. That yeah. yeah. It, that blows me away. But also like children. Okay. And 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 when they connect to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've had some of my songs remixed. And so... You know, I find some. I find I find myself at a festival in in uh, you guys say Ibiza. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, I find myself at a festival in Ibiza, you know, with, with a bunch of you know shirtless twenty year olds <laughs> <laughs> and and bikini twenty year olds, and you know I couldn't make my way through the crowd because people were grabbing my neck. And so, oh, wow. there's something there's something extraordinary about the connection that people have with music and I'm blown away. I have a thank you song on the record on my next record. And and it's a, it's a thank you to um, the forces that have, that have helped me, you know, get to, to this place. Yeah. Um, What's it called? Thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, Many great things I think we're going to hear from you. You're classic. Keep being yourself. Keep being classic. Thank you. And you will become a classic. <laughs> Thank we'll you We'll be listening much. to you in a hundred years. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for hanging. No, thank you so much for having me. 
And that's it for season one. Thanks to all my guests, Jeff Goldblum, Annie Lennox, Jamie Cullum, Ama Asante, Charlotte Gunsberg, Giles Terrera, Kamasi Washington, Giles Peterson, Don Was, Celeste. But most of all, you. Thank you so much for joining us, hanging out to hear our stories, and hopefully getting to know us and the world a little bit better. Clap your hands now. We'll be back very soon, because frankly, I'm enjoying this way too much. But until then, I'll see you at the concert. Come on. <laughs> I'm Greg Reporter, and this has been The Hang, a cup and nuzzle production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.